Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. The regulars are back. Ernest Watts and Chris Daniel are back, and we've watched a lot of football. We've ate a lot of turkey food, and we're glad you're joining us for another podcast where we'll talk about sports, food, and meeting celebrities. And I have a surprise celebrity I saw even today. And so, Ernest Watts, who's the most famous celebrity you've ever met? Oh, my. Well, Dean Smith, who I met next to a urinal in the old Charlotte Coliseum. <laughs> We were just standing there taking care of business, and wow. luckily I didn't. I didn't turn. I kept straight ahead. I just reached across. Would have been some bad faux pas if I'd actually turned reached across. I don't want to ask any more questions about that one. All right, okay. Reached handshake. So the know, celebrity I, you've met with his clothes on. I mean, um, anyways. All right, Chris oh, Daniel, okay. who's the biggest celebrity you've ever met? Jerry Rice shook his hand. Not in the bathroom. No, no. Uh, yeah, so I was at, I worked at a country club, uh, Firestone Country Club, when I was in college. And every year uh, they would have an outing, and uh, it was right near the Hall of Fame in Akron, Ohio. So all the, I met the bus and, and Jerry Rice, and I met a couple of ESPN people and some Playboy Playmates. And uh, you met Springsteen, the boss? <laughs> And so, but Jerry was, uh, so I, I, I had to drive his, uh, I don't know, his assistant or somebody out there to the golf course to catch up with him. And so, uh, I drove her out there and then he shook my hand and I'm like, his hand completely engulfed my entire hand. And I'm like, there's no reason why you should have ever missed a pass, but he, he was, you know, he was pleasures all mine. Great. You know, thank you so much. And that was it. So mm. it was pretty cool. I got one more I just remembered. Okay. I met uh, George H.W. Bush while he was president. We said celebrities. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, we steer away from (laughs) politics if we can help it around here, folks. Well, he was the president. He was president. That's true. It's a president. doesn't matter who it is. I got to shake Jimmy Carter's hand, and he called me by name, but that's another story. Let's get into sports, and at the end of the podcast, I'll tell you who I met today, who is a Hall of Famer, without a doubt, in the National Football League. But today, I want to start off with, what do you do when your favorite team loses badly? As you know, if you listen to this podcast, I'm just going to take it for take it as a man today. My favorite team all my life has been the Michigan Wolverines, especially for football. And this year, we were playing Ohio State. Listen, I noticed I said we. Uh, at home, we thought we could at least stay close to them. And once again, Ohio State blew out Michigan easily easily and so there's been a lot of conjecture what will harbor do next to adjust to how great Ohio State is and if they have any chance of staying close to Ohio State what will they do and at the press conference yesterday a reporter asked Harbaugh so you had a what do you think is the main reason for the loss today lack of coaching lack of talent or lack of preparation and Harbaugh said something to the effect of I have to answer your questions. I do not have to answer your insults. Boom. All right, guys, what do you think Michigan has to do to get up to Ohio State's level or at least be competitive? Talent. Uh, There's a perceivable difference in talent when you look at both teams as an outsider. And I would also add this to kind of put a little bit of perspective on this. And I'll ask you, Paul, who's the greatest Michigan football coach of all time? Sam Beckler. How many national championships did he win? None. <laughs> uh, that's perspective there. I think 
I think the expectations for Harbaugh so far have been too unrealistic. Um, you know, Bo is canonized. Bo is a saint. Yet, you know, in first 10 years against Ohio State, he was 500. I think it's unrealistic expectations. I've talked about this in previous but podcasts. But not even to win one game in six years? Again, does that make a difference? I mean, to most people, what's more important, beating Ohio State or a national championship? Right now. Let's just I take think... one step at a time. Yeah. <laughs> it, okay, it's... what's more important, running a clean program, graduating your kids, or beating Ohio State? Then the clean program wins. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't sound so fun, though. I mean, it doesn't. There's no I take bumper. one. Un, I take they one unclean. Year. I mean, you won't. They don't sell bumper stickers. You don't get special commemorative editions of Sports Illustrated for graduating your kids. But that is what you're supposed to do in college football. All right, I mean, I Dad. just think expectation. Again, there's only three active coaches with national championships in college football. This is true. Chris, what do you four. think? The, Excuse me, four, four. What do you I, think Michigan will have to do to get to the next level? Uh, I think they need to adopt the run-pass option offense. I think uh, Jimmy has—he's not the quarterback whisperer that I think he was touted to be, and I think he was given a gift with luck. And, and luck had a very set of you know great set of skills that he was able to sit back and, and drop. Uh, you know, drop back and pass. And I just, I think those are very rare. I mean, he was a unicorn obviously. And uh, so I think in order to win collegiate games, I think he needs to adopt a run pass option offense. I think his defense is fine. I mean, Don Brown still has trouble with it, but I think if they're, if they're practicing against it every week against their own offense, I think they're just going to get better at it. But, um, that's. I, I think they need to stop worrying about playing to the old school and running the ball. And I just I, that's the way the college game is going. But to Chris, run past they're option. using speed and space, which is the new way of doing offense. And they stayed with them a little bit in the first half. It was the defense that failed them, according to my sources. My son, um, they're going to bring in a co-defensive coordinator, uh, Lovell, who used to work with Harbaugh at different places, and they bring in Willie Taggart, the former Florida State head coach, maybe to come in and do Why? better recruiting. Yeah, that, that's uh, a, yeah. Listen, listen, let, it's talent. Who's a better quarterback, Patterson or Fields? Fields. Patterson, yeah. Who, Patterson who's a, who's a better a running back? Who's a better running back, Dobbins or anybody at Michigan's got? Yeah. Okay. I, Who's a better, uh, Who has a better line? Who has a better line? Ohio State has a better. Okay, line. so if Ohio State has a better offensive line, would you say it's unfair to, to compare? Like, how would Michigan's running back do behind that line? Uh Dobbins is a beast. Dobbins. I agree, he's a beast. He, he's going to be. But I think pro. it's I think it's unfair to compare running backs based on just pure running yards when one one offensive line is considerably better than the other. I don't know one group position for Michigan where the talent is even mm-hmm. equal to that position yeah. for Ohio State. I think the talent drop-off is that large. Well, and the I thing is, you- Ohio State has SEC talent. I think that's what they're trying to show. And they ran up the score a little bit, I believe, to show all the, you know, the committee to make sure they stay number one. Do you believe that, Ernest? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they want the number one seed. Uh, between them and LSU, nobody wants to face Clemson in the first round of the playoffs. Right. That that's that's the big. I don't know. Right I I I'd face Clemson. I think Clemson's my pick to still win. I, 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 yeah, um, I mean, we're last year too, though, but I I really think I now I don't think I think they're gonna get a, a awakening when they have to play that first game. I'm not gonna say it's a Michigan State in the top four where they're just gonna get blown out, but I think they're gonna have a rude awakening because they just have not played anybody of caliber in the last what six weeks. Uh, I mean, they're like, gonna. Play Virginia, right? And I mean, Virginia's yeah. second best, which is kind of disappointing. That's scary to think about. But, but they didn't play anybody last year either. I know it's the same record. And what happened? I mean, and you stay they, healthy they, that they way. You stay healthy, and they're actually, you know, the quarterback Lawrence has played better the second half of the season. All of his interceptions were the first five games. He hasn't thrown an interception in the last seven games. So I, I think, again. It, I, I do know this. There's a big three, and the big mystery is who's going to be that fourth team. I hope it's be. Utah. <laughs> you know, uh, Paul will remind you back in August, I picked Utah to be in the final four, and he scoffed. Dare say he scoffed at I me. still scoff at it. I don't think it's going to happen. So who, who do you think's the fourth team? I know Alabama losing was really a shocker to me. Oh, I, what a great Really? Coaching. Listen, the – what I loved were two great moves by Alabama. First at halftime when they lobbied to get the last second. And when they knew it wasn't enough time to, to spike the ball, but they kicked the, they kicked the field goal. And at the end of the game, when they ran the quarterback and wide receiver out on the punt team, causing Alabama to have too many guys on the field, giving them a first down where they literally could run out the clock. Saban was out coached in that game, literally and physically outcoached, and that's rare to see. And you kind of wonder if we're not seeing – I know every year is the game is this Brady's last year, but I'm wondering if we're not seeing a change in how Alabama's status is nationwide. Other teams are catching up with them talent-wise. Ooh, Urban Meyer to Alabama? <laughs> no, no, he's going to USC. I don't know. USC has been playing hard to get with that, so – well, I think they're just they're waiting to to hire an athletic, you know, an athletic director first, and then, and then they'll they'll, and then hire, they'll Urban. hire him and they'll win a championship and they'll go on probation three years yeah. later. So I as of it. now, we have Ohio State, LSU, Georgia, and Utah. Is that your prediction, Ernest? No, no, no. I got Clemson, Clemson in there. Got your big three. You got LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson right now. Georgia's the number four position, but you're looking at Alabama. I mean, uh, Oklahoma. You're looking at Utah. And don't forget, Baylor's got one loss. Baylor and Oklahoma are going to play each other in the Big 12 championship. But your prediction right now is who's number four in that mix? I still, I said Utah back in August, and I'm sticking with Utah. I like their defense. All right. Chris, do you have thoughts on that? If it's not Utah, who's it going to be? Oh, what are what about if Georgia beats LSU? Then Georgia gets in and yeah. LSU stays in. LSU uh, in no matter what. You think LSU's in no matter what? Yeah, because they're the undefeated. Fact, yeah, I think yeah, it's gonna be well. well with one loss, with one loss, they still got a victory yeah. over Alabama. They have a victory over Auburn. Uh, I think 
the strength of schedule they're still in. They may drop to the fourth slot, but uh, LSU. I don't. Even if Ohio State loses to Wisconsin, which I think would be a it'd be a closer game than last time. It's hard to beat a team. Yeah. Before. But Ohio State loses, they're still in. Clemson loses to Virginia, they may be out. But I think LSU and Ohio State are bulletproof at this point. Mm-hmm. Probably, probably. I, I, I don't know. So, I think if, 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 if Ohio State loses to Wisconsin and the Big Ten champ, I think early losses do not hurt you as much as late losses. So I think a uh, last game loss right before you head into the commit, I think that's going to hurt you more than, you know, Georgia's loss to South Carolina earlier in the season. Depends who you lose to, though, Chris. How good a record they have. And if you South, split, was, if you split, lost one and you was one and one, you beat them once and they beat you once. I think that tends to be overlooked. It's like essentially like a tie. So Ohio State and LSU are pretty much bulletproof at this point. Clemson loses to Virginia, which they'll be at least a three touchdown favorite. Yeah, that they would most likely be out. Right. All right. Switching gears a little bit, we're getting down to the end of the season, and Heisman is it all Burroughs from LSU at this point. Does Hertz have a chance at all? And um, Ernest, what we're not going to talk about Fields. I mean, what has he got? Well, uh, thirty-eight touchdowns and one interception. What about I, the kid from uh, Wisconsin? No, I think uh, run, Taylor running backs don't. I think get it's it. because you, of, don't, you don't won't get it either from Ohio State. Defense doesn't get no, it. No, I think it's a difficulty of schedule, and I don't think you can beat LSU's difficulty of schedule and how much Burrow's impressed against uh, Alabama at Alabama. I think that was a defining game. The only, yeah, I, I think, think second I think, is Hurts. Yeah, I think tipping point usually is upperclassmen when it comes to a sophomore. Now we know why Georgia played fields that much. You really it kind of threw the flow off. I think it really messed them up playing against Alabama in the SEC championship last year when they brought fields in. But now that you see his talent, and again, this is a world of difference in how he played at Georgia and what he's doing at Ohio State. But yeah, I believe Bro, and he, he might even be a top five NFL pick now. Mm. So will Fields go early too, do you think? Uh, he's got to do at least another year. He's still He could go out after next year, but he's in the same situation as Lawrence. Mm. He, he, you know, after his junior year, he can go. He's right. not a redshirt freshman. So. Right. Those, then that'll be interesting when those both come out, who will be the number one draft pick. Chris, who do you think is going to win the Heisman? I think Burroughs. I mean, he he plays in the SEC. He had, he's undefeated. I think it's it's. Uh, I think Tua would have given him a, a run for his money if he was still playing, but I think it's Burroughs all day. All right, if you guys were high school seniors right now, I know it's a long time ago, and all the coaches came. Some longer along. than others. Yeah. Oh, Ernest, sorry. <laughs> yes, thank you. It was beat up on. We Ernest. had helmets. We had helmets. They didn't have face guards <laughs> when he played, though. Yeah, face guard, yeah, but we had helmets on. So if uh, Coach came, if you had a choice between Ohio State, Alabama, and LSU, where would you go, Chris? Assuming I had the talent to get into Yeah, yeah, the, we're, we're in yeah. dream world, Chris. Don't so stay in I, reality world. So, I mean, I grew up in, you know, in Akron, Ohio, so I would have I would have gone to Ohio State all day. Yeah, well, there you go. Ernest? So that's, yeah. Well, providing I got a Cajun translator... 
<laughs> and the fact that I lived in Louisiana for three years, uh, and 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 knowing how much the life is so much better in New Orleans, a short thirty-minute ride from Baton Rouge. Uh, yeah, what is it? What's the expression? Les en, uh, les enfers, let the good times roll. Yeah, LSU, baby. Hey, you're talking about Columbus, New Orleans, or Tuscaloosa? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, good I, life just, I think from a, I would like to look at the the campus though. I don't know what I know what Ohio State's campus is like. I've visited there a couple times, but, but I, although there's football in the South, it's just a different. It's a different. Uh, I've you seen know. all three campuses, and if you're talking, when you're talking about campus, if you're doing like my youngest son did while he was being recruited for football, and you're talking about the fair species, the mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. opposite sex, I will tell you that LSU is your best choice. <laughs> the ladies, but, very but nice. yeah, but those ladies aren't going to work. They're getting their MRSs. At least in Columbus, you might have a chance to have someone do something in life. Wow. Have a great career. That turn. I'm just saying. Boy. Is your wife listening? She's got a doctor. She's smarter than me. Okay, Chris, is she in the other room? Is that what's happening right That's now? That's right. She is, yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. She wouldn't she didn't she wouldn't disagree. Right. Some some All women right. in the South tend to get their MRSs and Well, I, I I'm I'm not gonna ask Paul because the idea of Paul actually visiting that other state. <laughs> and the campus is probably beyond reason. Yeah, but, yeah. No, my, you, um, you have you my, have kid in Alabama, right? Well, no. Well, my nephew. Your wife does. Yeah, my nephew just married the coach's daughter, the wrestling coach's daughter at Ohio State. So quickly, that side of the family's become Ohio State fans, and uh, so we're learning all about that. But I don't wear a single. I don't have anything in my closet that is red. So that tells you anything. But let's move on now to some more <laughs> open areas. Why? 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 Santa Claus outfit is blue. Yeah, I don't have a Santa Claus outfit is blue. Yeah. <laughs> and you said blue Valentines to your wife. That might not be a good message. But go ahead. Blue roses, I guess. Uh, yeah, Tarnation I don't have a good for transition that. for this. Well, how about the NFL? <laughs> <laughs> well, since you're on my team, we're bottoming, bottoming out right now. Yeah. Let's go to the NFL. Let's go to the NFL, the never fail for a good time league. Um, but today was interesting that you had great matchups with 49ers versus the Ravens, and I watched a good part of that game. And then I also switched over a little bit to see the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Browns to see anything would come of the last incident. And Freddie Kitchens, the coach of the Browns, who we're surprised still has a job, made headlines yesterday or the day before because he wore a T-shirt that said basically Pittsburgh started it, referring to the fight. Um, what's your guys' reaction? Is that a good look to wear a T-shirt that says Pittsburgh started it? It's petty and childish. But we, In the sense of fairness, we have to mention that the offensive line for the Steelers wore T-shirts saying "Free Pouncy," uh, oh. Pouncy, the center that was suspended. We're One referring game. to the fight the last time they played, folks. If you didn't, if you're out of the country or something like that, uh, when the quarterback wrestled around with the Browns, I forget his first name now. His name, um, oh, uh, Mason Rudolph, Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett, and Miles Garrett, Miles, yeah. Mason Rudolph wrestled Garrett, around Rudolph, yeah. and. Then, and then Garrett threw in this uh, supposedly 
that Rudolph used a racial term, derogatory racial term, which kind of strain. I mean, you don't know how to react to that. If he did it, he should be punished. The NFL cleared him of that. But that seems to be, that also seems childish to kind of, well, my behavior was appropriate because I was offended. And and again, this this is, neither one of those players should have been in the game at that particular time. No. But it seems like it has affected uh, Randolph much worse than the fact that he can't stay on the field now. You kind of wonder if this is not a psychological toll on him. No, I think he's just not a good quarterback. I think they're showing that Pittsburgh won without him, and I think um, they don't need him. I think it hurts the Browns more with Miles Garrett not being there. As it happens today, they lost to the Steelers. But both teams were uh, behaving themselves. I think the NFL came down really heavy on that. Um, but for a head coach to wear a T-shirt that says Pittsburgh started it, come on, why do you have to keep it going? I mean, what are you trying to do? It's again. It's not. It's not accepting your behavior. It's not taking responsibility for a, a atmosphere that you've created, that you've condoned. He has never once come out and said Garrett was in the wrong. Garrett gave this. Has not even given a real PR. He got this PR type of excuse. Take responsibility. You did something wrong, and you move on. And again, I'm I'm worried about Randolph. To certain, we've seen in society when people have been labeled for using certain language, uh, the comedian Michael Richards years ago uh, used words that he shouldn't, and it destroyed his career as an actor and comedian. And I really wonder, you know, Mason Rudolph was a pretty good quarterback at Oklahoma State, and he was doing a mediocre job. But again, I kind of wonder if this has not affected him psychologically. Mm. Um. Chris, what do you think of being a business guy when you watch a game and you see the Cleveland Browns lose and the very first commercial afterwards is a Baker Mayfield selling progressive, excuse me, uh, insurance right away in Cleveland Stadium? Is that a good look or a bad look to you? Well, I think progressive or whoever it is put a lot of stock into what the media was saying at the very beginning of the year, saying how how great Cleveland was going to be. So they, they went all in on it. And they just look stupid. I mean, everybody hates those commercials. Everybody thinks they're ridiculous. So I, I don't. I don't. I think they wish they could take them back, but I'm sure they paid a lot of money to. So they're just going to continue riding with it. But I think when you take risks like that, it's. Uh, I think it's foolish to base a lot of marketing and advertising on a team that has has a track record of not doing. Well, and uh, yeah, Freddie Kitchens is a is a glorified positions coach. He was, you know, this this time last year he was the offensive coordinator because they fired their head coach and offensive coordinator. But before at the beginning of last year he was the running backs position coach, mm-hmm. and in one year he's now the the head coach. He he does he's he's not been trained for this. He he has no idea what he's he's treading in much too deep of water for, for what so he's Urban getting himself Meyer into. To the Cleveland Browns take the phone call. Urban? I would take, Oh, I, if I'm Cleveland, if I'm a Cleveland fan, I would, I would totally take urban Meyer all day over Freddie kitchens. At least he's I, a winner. Well, uh, I mean, <laughs> Freddie kitchens is not, not great, but I would take urban. If I'm a, if I'm a Cleveland fan, I would want urban. Chris, 
and we did this in the last podcast, so we'll do it to you now. The last successful college coach to transition to the pros and be successful with no background in professional football was... Chris well, was, was like six Pete. years old at this point. I was going to so. say Pete Carroll, but... Well, Pete Carroll was head coach, yeah. You added that last caveat. Of course. Uh, the last... Uh, that transition... Jimmy Johnson? Uh, That's actually, what I guessed. Close, Barry Switzer. He oh. was doing it with Jimmy Johnson's uh, players, but we're talking 1992. Yeah, so it does. Was... Now, if we're talking... The Browns, there's only one important number when we talk about the Browns. And you know what that is, don't you, Paul? Number, I don't know. What's the important Receiving number? Receiving numbers right now. Jarvis Landry oh. is leading with 59. Oh. Odell Beckham only has 54 catches. Oh, Do you this, want to expound on that a little bit? This is a total insider uh, information that Ernest has begin the season Two co-hosts had a bet, an infamous bet, Nate Moyer against Ernest Watts. Which one of the two receivers for the Cleveland Browns would have the most receptions in the year? And Ernest went with? Jarvis Landry. And Nate went with OBG. Yes. And you see how that's going. So what does that tell you about those two receivers? Is Landry the better receiver? Yeah, that's why I picked him. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, Beckham is just, you know, he does these fancy catches one hand. He's splashy. He colors his hair different colors. He gets injured every year. He does stupid things like going out in the field. But he looks so good shoes. when he does make those catches, though. Yeah. Listen, I'll, I'll take any type of behavior as long as you produce. When you don't produce, that's the end of it. And Landry has always been consistent. Landry is a better receiver than he was at LSU when they both played together. Mm -hmm. So, Nate, get that Panther jersey ready. (laughs) I want to see a nice picture. All right. Well, let's move on to the other really good game today, which was the Ravens versus the 49ers. Chris, is that our future Super Bowl? Is that what we're going to see? And Chris must be uh, taking care of his baby's diapers because he is gone. So, Ernest, what do you think? There he is. Sorry about that. She was banging on the. I'm in a in my my den, and she was banging on the, on the glass. Your wife so or your like, daughter? The daughter. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I she thought was just she said Ravens. He was going nevermore. Nevermore. <laughs> nevermore. Uh, no, I think uh, so. This is going to be the Harbaugh, two point The successful Harbaugh. The successful Harbaugh. Oh, brutal. Uh, so yeah, I I I do. Well, I don't know. I. I think you can't count the Patriots out because they just they're too smart in uh, in but January. But their offense stinks. Brady's not happy. They're yeah, too but old. you. The best thing my brother lost a hundred dollars when he's he he told me he started gambling. He wanted a he wanted a hobby, so he started gambling. I'm like, oh that's no, that's the dumbest thing I've no. ever heard. And so he bet his first, or I don't know, maybe he he'd been doing it for a while and he made it, you know, a couple bucks, and then he placed a big bet, hundred bucks. Uh, against uh, Brady and he lost and he's like you never never bet against Brady never never bet against Brady so I think that's true uh, until until someone can knock him out now you sound a, just like Ernest AFC. last year Ernest said just that saying, all year long you just you can't until they, somebody knocks him out in the AFC their defense is so good you look at the 2015 uh, Broncos they're looking very similar because that defense was amazing. Now they don't and know that Von offense, Miller, though. Yeah, I mean, 
They, they don't have a star player. They don't have that. But they don't need their – that team has the most takeaways, the fewest points. I mean, that's the number one team defense in the entire league. The defense I think they wins can win. championship. Exactly. I think they can win a championship with that. Uh, Brady's not going to make any stupid errors. They're not going to turn the ball over. So they're going to make you go up against their defense, and I think their defense is good enough. So I, I – so while I think the Ravens the are going to be there – I think the the Patriots you can't count them out. Patriots 49ers is that your pick? Uh, S- Seattle Seattle sparks some interest in me t- too. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that matchup. The Seattle um, and Patriots uh, Patriots again. Yeah, I, I could see that happening too. All right. What do you think? You know, we say we say the Patriots have no stars, but Hightower does a pretty good job. Gilmore. At linebacker. And Gilmore is the shutdown corner right now. You saw what he did to Amari Cooper when they played the Cowboys last week. No catches. I mean, he took him off the field. Uh, I mean, that's – that's he is probably def- – he's probably at least AFC defensive player of the year, and he may be the NFL defensive player of the year. I told you a couple of weeks ago, and I'm gonna stick with Packers and and Ravens. I, you know, Rogers last Packers. Four. Yeah, I think the Packers. Packers. I know Packers. I I I don't think Garofalo is gonna do that well when he gets in the playoffs. Every every quarterback has that I new agree. experience when he gets the playoffs. So Frisco worries me. Seattle. Uh, Seattle's problem is they don't have that true one wide receiver and their tie-ins are not dependable. I mean, you like to have a number one wide receiver. The NFC East is a joke. Probably whoever wins the yeah. NFC East will have a 500 record or maybe a below 500 record to that extent. Uh, Nobody thinks the Chiefs are going to make it here? No, their defense no. is media. I know they're sh- yeah. shutting out the Raiders with a word. They gave up only three points. But they're just... Their defense is not trustworthy, and Breeze has been inconsistent of late. And yeah, if, yeah, if New Orleans does not have home field now, right now they'll play next week. They'll play the 49ers, and the winner of that game will probably have home field advantage from here on out in the NFC. Mm-hmm. But if you get New Orleans out on the road, that's a different team. That they are a super. Superdome team, the Mercedes Superdome. Excuse me, we've got two Mercedes Dome stadiums now. It's ridiculous, but uh, if you get them on the road, they're not as good a team. So I'm going with Green Bay. Uh, you know, Rogers pulls it out, but I think Ravens ultimately will win it. Mm-hmm. There you have, folks. I'd really like the game today that I saw between 49ers and Ravens. Let me give you argument why you might see those two in the Super Bowl um, because the conditions were horrible. It was raining. It was wet. Uh, and both teams have great defenses, so you thought it would be a defensive battle. And yet both offenses found a way to score. And there's something about having a versatile threat of a quarterback. And Garoppolo did better than I expected. And the 49ers have something like five first-round draft picks on their defense. And they looked amazing. So, and I do think it's, I think Patriots' time is running out. I know we say they always come up every year, but I think a mobile quarterback, and Ernest, you said yourself that John Harbaugh has Patriots' number. He knows how to beat them. So I really will stick to that. I think it will be a, a Ravens 49ers Super Bowl. 
You know what I was impressed? It was how the Ravens were able to take George Kittle away mm. and shut him down because him at, he at tight end for the 49ers, he's essential to their offense. I mean, the key to the, the 49ers is that front that front four because basically they don't have to blitz. They don't send in linebackers or safeties. They get enough pressure off that defensive line. And Garofalo always looks for Kittle when he gets pressure. I mean, that's his, That's the one. Kittle is like the uh, element is for Brady. Mm-hmm. Garofalo looks for Kittle. Brady always looks for uh, El- Edelman. I mean, uh, always in those pressure situations. And they always get the third down in that. But both teams also impress me that they get good yardage on first down. You know, you open up your offense when you're looking at second and less than, than six. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to talk about now a famous player that I met today, and then I'm going to talk about some holiday movies, and then I'm going to ask you guys what you want for Christmas this year. Just get it out there. Why not? Okay. And maybe we'll give our fans an idea, especially your family members, what you want for Christmas. Why not? So um, we were talking earlier, the most famous people we've met in sports, and I did meet uh, Jimmy Carter when I graduated from uh, graduate school. Nice guy, wore brown shoes with gray suit. It's a little thing, but I noticed. Anyways, so today my wife and I went to a local store. It's a big store in this area that has a little of everything, and we're shopping around, went there after church, and all of a sudden over the announcer, it goes crackle, crackle, um, in our wine department today, we have Super Bowl winner, national championship winner, Heisman winner. At that time, I thought, Desmond Howard is here? No, it was not Desmond Howard. It was Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson's back in the wine department selling his wine. I look at my wife, and she just says to me, she pushed her hand, she says, go, go, go. So I start going that direction. I see all these middle-aged men walking away with bottles of wine, looking giddy and happy and almost dancing. Come around the corner, and that's there he not, is. That's not what's unusual about men doing that with wine. But well, this is before they drank the wine. <laughs> yes. All right. But after away Michigan loss, I think a lot of people wanted to drink a lot of wine. But anyways, so around the corner, there he is, just wearing a nice, his own logo hat, uh, a yellow hoodie with one guy, not a big entourage. And there's only like two people online. I'm going, this is my day. So I walk over there. I'm thinking, oh, crap, I'm going to have to buy a $50 bottle of wine to get a signature. But he was taking pictures with anybody who wanted it. And I bought a $15 bottle of wine. He signed it for me and then took a picture of me. It was the nicest guy. And when he was signing the bottle, I said, hey, I appreciate you sticking around after yesterday's tough day. And he goes, yeah, man, you, when you have tough loss, you just got to be a man about it. I thought, Nice classic. And then I asked him, I said, Do you ever wear your like your world's um your Super Bowl ring or your national championship ring around? He goes, Every once in a while, you know. And then he smiled and real nice guy. He said, Thanks very much. As polite as could be. And so that was really great. And my wife says, See, just listen to me. Come with me and we'll go see important people at the <laughs> <laughs> at the grocery store, you know, like Charles Woodson. So I posted that picture of me and Charles Woodson on um Facebook and Charles Woodson. I'm five ten. He's probably six one, six two, um, but he doesn't. He looks like he could still play. I mean, he doesn't look old at all. And um, all these people start asking me, "Where is that? Where can I go get that?" You know, because he lives in California. He doesn't come here that often. So that was uh, a meeting with a famous person that really lived up to all the hype. And I know, as a former defensive player, Charles Woodson is not happy at all 
about losing to Ohio State. And earlier, Ernest, you mentioned one cornerback you think is better than Charles Woodson that's played in the NFL, and that would be? Neon, Dion, Dion uh, Saunders, because Dion would affect teams to the point that offensive coordinators would throw to the other side of the field. They wouldn't even challenge him. Right, I thought you because he was also a punt returner, you were going to say. Well, no, just because what he did defensively, the punt returning was even extra. I mean, that was just, but just the fact of what he played, uh, just what he was able to do defensively, take receivers away was just special. But now you're talking about Charles Woodson, and remember, he's got Super Bowl wing, he's got the national championship ring, he's in the college pro football, college football Hall of Fame, and in the pro football Hall of Fame. Not a lot of guys got those, you know, four things under their belt, so It's almost like the Seinfeld EGOT. Remember the EGOT? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Emmys, uh, Oscars, um, Tonys, and what's the last one? And the Grammy. Grammy. Yeah. So, but he was super nice, and then even the wine he was selling at, you know, five dollars off the regular price. I'm thinking, hey, that, that's good. <laughs> I got for a me. discount. Okay, yeah, only fifteen dollars. Kind of <laughs> were you wearing the interview Michigan regalia when you were doing all this? I was not. I was not. But when I was waiting in line, it was so cool to see a lady in front of me, just so happy. It was like Christmas for people of all ages. For it was like what we needed after yesterday's loss. And behind me was a lady with two young kids. And she looked at me and just giggled like, this is great, isn't it? And I said, yeah, this is awesome. Um, so once in a while, the sports guys live up to what you hope they could be like. So there you go. That's my famous story. But we're going to move on now to Christmas movies and then Christmas gifts. Um, guys, what movie do you want to see this Christmas? Like what's a go-to have to see it every Christmas or no? What, what new movies? releases? I think new, new releases. releases. Oh, it's got to be Star Wars. It's got to be the you know, return of uh, Skywalker because this is the closing one. This supposedly and, and J.K. Abrams has always done excellent work. I mean, even when he's done flops, like he had a TV series for a while called Alcatraz, mm-hmm. which lasted one year. But it was everything he does is fascinating. I mean, people people complain about he he does lens flares. This is like a set thing in every movie TV show he's ever done. But from Lost to all the movies to the Star Trek movies, uh, the new Star Trek movies that came out, he's he's had that golden touch. And I, I have faith in him because you're talking about wrapping up. Well, we're up to now 40 years of Star Trek. I mean, <laughs> Star Wars, uh, Star Wars, 40 years now. Mm-hmm. He's wrapping up. This will be the uh, 15th, 16th movie. Well, they say it's when the last one of the saga, but they'll come up with a new saga because they're making money. Disney try to make more money and bleed <laughs> money out of something. You, you're kidding. You can't be right. Yeah. I think he'll do it in a way that make it finite. And, you know, he has to work in the, uh, Leia's death in real life into the series, but she's probably she's in the movie. I think it'll wrap it up somehow. And like I said, I have a lot of faith in, in Abrams and what he's been able to do. Mm. Yeah. Well, Chris, you were going to say what traditional movie do you like to see every year? Yeah. Well, I was going to say I, I want to see that Knives Out movie. I also want to see The Irishman, which is going to be easier for me to see because it's on Netflix. Four uh, hours long. That's all right. I got all night. Uh, baby goes to bed at seven. All right. Um, <laughs> traditional, 
Christmas movie I see every every year is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It just uh, it tickles me. So that leads to the question: Is Die Hard number one a Christmas movie? Ernest? Yes, definitely. My favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> what do you think? Hey, really? Yeah, you got Run DMC singing it. It's I've never seen the movie. I've never, never seen, seen it. it. Oh my god! That you you've seen Knives Out, right, Paul? Yeah, I was going to give you a quick summary. I went to see Knives Out and Ford versus Ferrari, which I have seen Ford versus Ferrari. And so both well. both were really good for different reasons, and I'll be careful here not to give it away to the audience. Um, Knives Out. I love uh, murder mysteries. I've read them my whole life. I watch, I read a lot of books. I listen to tapes. And so I like to figure out what's happening. And with Knives Out, about a third of way in, they give you the scenario how it probably happened. And I'm thinking, it's way too early in this movie to give me the way it happened. It would ruin, it's too early. The rest of the movie wouldn't make sense. And then I thought, wait a second, this is a false reality here this is a false narrative this is just a twist that will be twisted a couple more times and because of that and the really funny sneaky snarky lines in there if you listen carefully they're really funny and the surprising thing about knives out is they have all these stars you know daniel craig and captain america uh, evans and other people and don johnson actually did a good job in this mr miami vice but the star was not all these famous people. It was this young lady who was a Cuban actress that did a fabulous job. Now, Knives Out, I would say, go see it. It's worth it. It's a little slow-paced at times, but well worth it. Now, Ford versus Ferrari, um, they took a story. I already knew what happened. And it's not a surprise to the world that Ford was really upset with Ferrari, how they spurned their offer to buy the Italian motor company. Um, but how it happened was really intriguing. The movie was beautifully shot. My wife said that was one of the best shot movies I've ever seen, the way they did it, and the car racing. It's totally a guy movie in many ways. Car racing, guys hanging out with other guys, um, the inside of the Ford Motor Company, and I'm surprised uh, if the Ford Motor Company cooperated with this movie. I'll just leave it at that. But They did not. They're really good movie. I had to do some fact-checking and when I get home on the internet on some points, but really enjoyable, definitely a guy movie, um, has a very good, strong connection between the main driver and his son. So I would enthusiastically say go see that. It is two and a half hours long, but it didn't seem like it. It was really well-paced. Now, have you, did you know the entire ending of the movie? Before I went to it, well, I, yeah, the the well, I knew I, I, I knew. Let's not, not be spoilers, but you you knew the basis of the conflict, but you didn't know the well. How shall we say this? The very end of the movie. Yeah, I knew some of the very ends of the movie. I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to ruin it, but there are some things about the movie that will surprise you, and some things they elaborated a little bit, but it was believable even after I read some of the. Um, fact-checking of it. Um, they definitely made one Ford executive look worse than he probably was. But uh, Matt Damon, a whole movie, I'm thinking it's Matt Damon. He, he's not an actor that transcends for me. I always think he, he is who he is. But Christopher Bale, once again, he was by far the best actor in that movie, did such a great job. It doesn't hurt that he's an Englishman playing an Englishman in the movie. Actually, 
he's actually Welsh. Oh, sorry. He's not sorry. English. So he's he, but he does great with accents. Yeah, so I it mean, was great. Uh, a lot of shout out goes to the director James Marigold, and if I tell you about some of the movies he did, you'll you'll understand the 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 work he's been able to do. He was the director of Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash movie, The Three Ten to Yuma with Christian Bale, uh, and Wolverine and Logan. Oh, that so, makes sense now. Totally. Uh, a lot of male like movies, a lot of a lot of treaties about being a male and, and the responsibilities of masculinity and being a male. But I too saw the movie. I knew the entire story, even the, again, we don't want to give any spoilers, but I thought it was well done. It reminded me of another automobile movie that was made about five years ago called rush about formula one. This mm -hmm. was about endurance racing, right. 24 hours and 12 hour racing. But uh, this was well done, and uh, I grew up watching those Le Mans with Steve McQueen back in the 60s. It was very, very similar to that type of thing. And, and people didn't realize back then uh, deaths on racetracks were commonplace. Mm -hmm. That was just – when you got in a race car, it was a 50-50 chance that you wouldn't walk away. Mm. And it, it's, again, well done to me. It's the best movie I've seen this year. Wow, that's high praise. You think someone would win an Oscar for it? Uh, Christian Bale has a very showy part, but I think Matt Damon, uh, you know, I, I'm very familiar with Carol Selby and the work he did in designing cars. I used to be a gearhead when I was much younger in the 60s, in the 70s, and, and when they went to metric, they lost me. That's metric measurements for tools, folks. Uh, I think both of them. I think that, that Damon will be a supporting actor, and I think that Christian Bale will be up for best actor. Mm. I think Joaquin Phoenix is probably going to take it away. With Joker? Did you see yeah. Joker, Chris? I did see that. That was fantastic. I I went – so I that was the first movie I was um, – I was kind of not afraid to go to, but just I had my guard up the entire time uh, because the first time, so there was a mass shooting in Aurora, Colorado, which is that the was, city right next dark to. Night. Dark yeah, night. Yeah. That. So I went to a matinee <laughs> to a very uh, uh, small theater. And uh, so, but it was just, I, I can't remember the last time I ever you know, you, you kind of observed your surroundings that much for a movie, but it was very well done. And I think he's going to, he's going to take the, the Oscar this year, just of the transformation he made. In that let movie. me, ask, let me ask both of you something. When you go to a movie and you know how it's going to end, we knew how, you know how Joker's going to end. I mean, the story is part of our culture, but when you go to a movie and you know how it's going to end and you know how it's going to lay out, is that not, part of the the craftsmanship that you can still be wrapped up in the story even though i mean i, I remember i went oh yeah uh, I, agree. I, went, I went with my wife to see apollo 13 and the very beginning tom hanks is talking about apollo 1 and my wife was fascinated because she didn't know the story about grissom and white and chaffee dying in the fire and i go yeah yeah i mean this this really happened but how about you paul is is that part of the craftsmanship when you see a movie even though you know 
how it's going to turn out and yeah. how the story's going to go. Normally, I don't like to go to a movie where I already know the ending. I mean, it's sort of like, oh, what's the purpose? Um, but with Ford and Ferrari, I heard so many good reviews of it, and I love a good car movie. Um, you've talked about several of them earlier. Um, and any, I heard also that it was a good dad movie, meaning that kids, dads could take their sons and, and talk about it later, too. So for all those reasons. And I do think Apollo 13 uh, was just so well done. Ron Howard did such a great job with Tom Hanks that we all knew they were going to survive, but it didn't feel like it in the moment, right? To create yeah. that tension and stuff. It's a suspension of belief. And that's that's true craftsmanship when you're making a movie. I mean, it's like you see certain movies, you know, the good guy's not, you know, John Wayne's never going to die unless you're going to see the Cowboys. Clint Eastwood's not going to die. And, and most pictures you just unless it's uh what's the get off my lawn movie i've even forgotten the title already but grand torino grand torino i mean it's rare those cases but you, you know you know they're going to get out of it but good craftsmanship good filmmaking is the point where you really you you feel the danger and you feel uh that there can be some some reaction to the main character i mean you know romeo and juliet with how it's going to end you knew the Titanic, the ship was going down. Yeah, speak about ending. I have my beeper Don't going off it. here. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah, we got to wrap it up in about two minutes here, or something's going to burn in our oven. I don't know yes. what is going on. My wife left the room. You're on fire! You're on, on fire! fire. Oh, no. uh, I'm Yeah, No, it's chicken and rice. It's all right. It's covered. Uh, but we're going to end with, when you were 10 years old, what did you want for Christmas? Oh, this this is easy. An electric football game. Remember the old electric, the yes. Tudor electric? These go for like $500 now. Right. But I wanted one, and I got the Rams and the Cardinals, the painted teams and everything. Mm -hmm. And you had that little felt football, and the little quarterback would pull the arm back, and it would – and they'd all – they'd never really go because all it did was vibrate the surface. But, yeah, that and the uh, hockey with the slots, the tabletop hockey. Oh, I, I love had, that. I had the blues and the North stars. It shows how old it was. And, uh, it, and you know, at the end of it, you'd put in a double player and pull your goalie. just like a real hockey game. Mm -hmm. but, uh, the puck would always get stuck behind the goal and you'd have right. to drop it down this, this little maze for the puck to drop. So you have a face off, but yeah, the, the tabletop hockey and the electronic tutor football. Chris, what about you when you were 10? You know, I think it was uh, an N64, which is the Nintendo 64 uh, game console that was really hot. I think it was when I was 10, like fifth, fifth, sixth grade, somewhere around there. Does that sound about right when you're 10? So, yeah, that so, was that was that was the top. I wanted to play Mario Kart and GoldenEye and all that. kind. Of, it was. Yeah, that was that was the idea. So, Paul, what was it for you? Michigan beating Ohio State? Oh, of course. I always wanted. Of course, I was like the Christmas story guy. I wanted a BB gun, and I didn't get one until I was like 12. And then I went out in the field with a buddy and I, and we played tag with a BB gun. So you Put your eye out, kid. <laughs> no, it was just so crazy. But uh, I really wanted a catcher's glove when I was 10, and I didn't get it. And that about freehand? Bill Freehand would have been great. Johnny Bench would have been even better, but that tells you how old I am. 
So, but for this year, I I'm already got part of what I wanted. My wife helped me buy some tickets to go see some Michigan basketball games in February in March against Penn State and against um, Nebraska. And uh, I didn't even bring up that Michigan beat a certain yeah, team yeah, from uh, yeah. the Carolinas at all this whole podcast. So did that last year too. Didn't do you much good at the end. Did oh, it? Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> all right, all right. Final words before we close up, uh, Chris. Your final words. Uh, remember to spade and neuter your. Oh pets. man, Bob Barker's used that for years, man. You got to come up with something new. <laughs> No, I'm going to send you some wine, man. That sounds like you need some Charles <laughs> Woodson wine. Don't right. give up that bottle of wine. The you keep that forever. Suicide prevention is 1-800. My gracious. <laughs> so do I... uh, I'm going to take another cor- another direction here. Uh, it's the holidays. Uh, there are a lot of people that are uh, not don't have the family that you're blessed with. Spend some time. Go to a nursing home. See some people. Remind them that they're not forgotten. Uh, there are those people you need to reach out during the holidays. Uh, again, and enjoy it. Be around some young folks. Go out, see the lights. Enjoy the holidays for all it's worth. It's uh, 12 months of the year that we look forward to Christmas because that's when we forget that the Panthers are not playing well, the Lions are not playing well, and Michigan can't beat Ohio State, and Denver can't find a quarterback. That's what Christmas is all about. All right. Well Linus, said, sir. Linus talking to Charlie Brown there, I think, was what yes. we had there. All right. Yes, I agree with Ernest. Uh, enjoy the holidays. Traditions are important. And um, hanging out with grandkids is super awesome, as Ernest can contest, or with your children, as Chris can attest. And so we hope that you have continued good Christmas time. We'll be back next week with another podcast. So thanks for listening to Pardon the Confusion. <laughs>